0: Part two of session 82. Let's continue talking about the creation. Let's create. In the first part of the session, we touch on the creation again as something that we haven't talked about in a while and with the concepts that we're now handling in The Law of One, we can dive deeper into some of the aspects of creation, uh, namely talking about the octave of creation and the archetypical mind and other things that give different colorations to what we, what we call this universe, you see, because we, we talk about a creation, so there must be a point where it was created. And so what was that point, what was prior to it, and what's going to follow? That's the kind of questions that even scientists are asking. So even here in the law of one, we have some sort of um, idea. And it is congruent with everything that we have been studying so far, which is amazing. Um, I expressed in the last video that I was totally uh, happy to be touching on this topic again because this is one consumed my most of my interest in physics and science and biology and chemistry and so on. It was just this essence of. Where where are things coming from, and how how are they created? So we now get uh, a very specific angle in terms of what what is this, and you know this is. I think it's important to note that, and I think I'll mention it in in the questions that Don is going to ask. That we have a mind that is focused on material, on matter. You see, so we begin to think and compare in contrast to matter. And so it is very helpful or it has been extremely helpful for me to not be to look at the model of matter as a uh, perception based um, understanding of how reality works, but to begin to flirt with the the conception, the knowledge that ultimately there is no matter, there is no energy, there is just consciousness. Matter and energy are concepts that we generate to be able to explain activity, activity of consciousness, which is okay, you see, but ultimately the, found, uh, the foundation, the elemental particle, if you will, of this is consciousness. And it's not a particle in and of itself. It's just a infinite field, you see. So I think it's very helpful, especially because when we read this, and you'll see it in Don's questions, um, there is the possibility for us to imagine all of this as particles, as matter. And like I said, to me, it has been very helpful to just go back to the knowledge that the only thing that exists is consciousness. Consciousness does not create matter. Consciousness does not create energy. The movement of consciousness is perceived by any single entity as an activity and we measure it as energy and in our particular density as matter of course. But it is just uh, just two things if you will. Consciousness and its activity. We call it Awareness and Mind. So, with that in mind, (laughs) we can move to the first question that I have new for this episode. And it's done in question 11 saying, What was the form, condition or experience of the first division of consciousness that occurred at the beginning of this octave, at the beginning of this galactic experience? And Ra reminds Don. We touch upon previous material. The harvest of previous octave of the previous octave was the creator of love manifested in mind, body, and spirit. This form of the creator experiencing itself may perhaps be seen to be the first division. So I guess they're talking about here that what was the condition, right? At the beginning of the octave. Um, yeah, what was the form, condition, or experience of the first division of consciousness that occurred at the beginning of this octave? So, what was the first uh, division or experience? What's what's the beginning? You see, and Ra is mentioning that they talked about this already, and in the notes, in in the material. It refers back to 7810, so session 78, question 10, where Ra explains that part of the harvest of the last octave was the mind, body, and spirit as a method for experiencing the creator experiencing itself and also the uh, useful usefulness of matrix, potentiator, and significator as the archetypical mind, or the way that the mind is experiencing these um, mind, body, and spirit. So, uh, very basic, especially now with the complexity that we have in our minds. Um, just as a refresher, an octave here refers to the beginning of a universe. And that's the best way I can summarize it. The beginning of the universe is an octave, and there is experience throughout this octave until there is no more uh, usefulness to this sort of um, makeup, this model, this this new experience. So, and it keeps changing. So, I'm not sure if there is the end of an octave at some point in our universe that we perceive, uh, or if it's already happening it seems like it's already happening and uh, that's more in line with the eternal simultaneity of things you see so this gets deep but the point is that um, there is no beginning and end there is only one continuous experience and i think everything that is happening is um it's part of just one major experience that we cannot fathom, of course, because we are enclosed in a specific octave. So uh, I can't even imagine what it is to to leave this octave uh, or to be in another octave. But what seems logical is that the next octave is already living everything that this octave has has, uh, produced. So almost like you are living everything that you have lived in the past you see so that's probably a crude analogy but um, it does add into the the simultaneity of things everything that you have lived is already happening right now it didn't happen in the past it's happening right now within you and you're expressing that so that is the the best way i can actually uh try to explain it so yeah, refer to 7810 and um, the harvest of previous octave was the creator of love manifested in mind, body, and spirit. So that's how it manifested in mind, body, and spirit. And this form of the creator experiencing itself be seen to be the first division. So, okay, at the beginning of this octave, mind, body, and spirit were the vehicles, if you will, in which the creator experienced itself. 78, 78, 82, 12. I got stuck with seventy-eight, ten. 10. <laughs> um, question 12. Don says, I was interested in specifically how this very first division showed up in this octave. I was interested to know if it made a transition through first, second, third, fourth, fifth, etc. densities. He continues on and says, I would like to take the first mind-body-spirit complexes and trace their experience from the very start to the present so that I would better understand the condition that we are in now by comparing it with its original, with, with this original growth. Could you please tell me precisely how this came about as to the formation, possibly, of the planets and the growth through the densities, if that is the way it happened, please. That's a very ambitious question my friend (laughs) ra will indulge and say your queries seem more confused than your basic mental distortions in this area let us speak in general and perhaps you may find a less confused and more simple method of eliciting information in this era uh, area a very great deal of creation was manifested without the use of the concepts involved in consciousness as you know it the creation itself is a form of consciousness which is unified, the Logos being the one great heart of creation. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to... I'm going to get ready for this. Ooh, strong tea. Okay. Ooh, that really got me in the nose. So, uh, let's drink a little more then. Yeah, it's good. So, I think Don wants to know. Like he wants to take the first mind, body, spirit. Uh, it shouldn't be a complex here. I think that's noted in uh, in the material. It's actually not. I don't think it should be. Is this the raw material? am I looking at the right thing? Yeah I don't I don't think this should be unless I don't think that's what he meant though. So this is my correction is um, it's outside of the material but I think there should be a correction here where Don says I would like to take the first mind body spirit complexes and trace their experience from the very start to the present. They shouldn't be complexes, they should be mind-body-spirits. Because remember, throughout the octave, at some point, we decided to put to uh, implement the Veil. And yeah, that's what created the complex. So there's going to be a lot of mix here, uh, especially in this session, with mind-body-spirit and mind-body-spirit complexes. So that's my first um, notation. So right. Donald wants to take the first mind-body spirits, the first entities, and trace their experience from the very start to the present. Like know what did they experience and how did they experience it, I guess. But he's also talking about the progression through the planets um, and the growth and densities and so on. So I guess that's the confusing part. And Ra says, let's just talk about it in general now i have to say that this is what i'm seeing this is n- probably not what they meant but this is what i see that they meant so um, always a good reminder to say that this is my interpretation please um, exercise your own imagination imagination is great for this but I, i'll contribute and this is what i see I believe that Ra is going to talk about the um, the beginnings of a creation. In essence, before any experience with the selected method of experiencing itself, the creator, in this case, mind, body, spirit, uh, potentiator, matrix, and significator, Where where did all this come from? Was there a transfer of mind, body, spirit? How does this happen? See, how this is very, very similar. So I want to give you the parallel so you start seeing it too within your own experience. Where do your thoughts come from? You ever thought about that? Where do your thoughts come from? And we say our our mind, of course, yes, but try to explore. How do they come up? And even as I speak right now, I cannot even say where I'm getting the words from. I'm not thinking about them. They're just coming through. And you do the same, we all do the same thing. So we're touching on that uh, unknown place that is within us where everything is coming from. You see, we have explanations from the outside in. That's always great, but there is a point in which we reach a wall and we say, Ah uh, we have no idea <laughs> that's just uh, unknown to us so in the same way we're looking at the creation where did it come from where it came from that unknown place and that's what i think Ra is referring to here when they say a very great deal of creation was manifested without the use of the concepts involved in consciousness as you know it Um, remember that they use consciousness here and this is something that I always make emphasis especially within my teachings because I use consciousness and awareness as um, the same thing because I'm trying to uh, I don't want to create a big model here I just want to refer to experiential um, knowledge non-conceptual knowledge but Ra and the Confederation uses consciousness also as this experience of awareness of matter, of mind, you see. So these concepts are not present, obviously. There is no awareness of things at this point, there is just awareness. If we go back to intelligent infinity, you'll know this, because intelligent infinity is that non-conceptual knowing that non-conceptual awareness there is no awareness of anything there is just awareness pure awareness right and then see how it seems contradictory because Ross says the creation itself is a form of consciousness which is unified you see so they use the same word consciousness and i know i'm probably beating a dead horse here but i just want to be thorough that uh, consciousness is a word that we use uh, in both ways you see it's like when we say the manifested creator and then the infinite creator they are the same you see but we it has a certain quality to uh, perception at that point and so there is i should call it perceptional consciousness and uh, pure consciousness You see pure consciousness does not depend on perception whereas perception perceptional consciousness does obviously uh, depend on perceptions so oh, I hope that made sense it's uh, I listen to myself sometimes and I, <laughs> I I just hope it's it's congruent but in simple terms there is consciousness pure consciousness and then there is um, awareness of perceptions consciousness so a lot of this happened without awareness of perception see of things of um, elements aspects and so on the creation itself is a form of consciousness which is unified if it's unified then it has no parts it has nothing see that's the dissolution into unity ross says the dissolution into nothingness is this dissolution into unity. For there is no nothingness, and so that's important to keep in mind. The logos being the one great heart of creation, the logos is the first manifestation or the creator manifested. Its intelligent energy, um, the uh, kinetic um, aspect of intelligent infinity. That's the logos. See, it's the it's the love of creation. All right, they continue on saying, the process of evolution through this period, which may be seen to be timeless, is most valuable to take into consideration for it is against the background of this essential unity of the fabric of creation that we find the ultimate development of the Logoi, which chose to use that portion of the harvested consciousness of the creator to move forward with the process of knowledge of self. This paragraph is just so powerful. I, I have to say that, in as I read it, I can see the the whole um, the whole process of of creation. And again, I don't want to I want to bring it down from the fantastic cosmic view of stars and lights and all of this to the simple awareness of humans. Right? We have this. Um, so what did they establish so far? They said that much of the creation is made in this space spaceless space or this uh, place of unity which again i call pure consciousness there is no awareness of anything in particular Uh, but this is a field this is an important field the fact that it doesn't have anything in particular that is not formed doesn't mean that it is empty. That doesn't have anything. That is just a vacuum. That's only perceived as such by the mind, who can only see objects. But if we eliminate the mind, then we get this feeling, this feeling of beingness. And this is what we get to in uh, in mysticism. When we the knowledge of self is to get in touch with this field, which is not a nothingness, and. Often people shy away from this because they say, well, I'm so used to it. They don't say it, but their minds speak this way. Um, I don't see anything in there, so why would I bother? You see, we're, we're so used to conceptual knowledge, to objective experience. And so when we look at the essence of reality, this background that Ra is talking about here, we kind of shy away because we say, oh, I don't know, It's boring or I'm afraid of. There are all kinds of reaction to this, but Therein lies the essence of who you are and the essence of what we're seeking, which is peace, harmony, love, and happiness. Just inner inner happiness, peace, joy. All of this is right there. So we have to look at this background. And I love that Ra says that against the background of this essential unity, uh, they say it's valuable to take into consideration because everything, uh, everything is actually on top of this fabric, you see? So what do they say? Let me reread it. And again, I stress out the importance of becoming aware of this background of the self, of the manifested self, I mean. And that's what we call the ultimate self, is that background, this this infinity, this unity. That's why we have this whole um, fanfare of, people talking about the unity and we are one and so on, because that's what we're touching, we're getting into this. Anyhow, uh, you can see how excited I am of reading this paragraph. I think this is one of those paragraphs that I would print and put it (laughs) on my wall. Do Do it yourself, print it, put it on your wall and look at it, read it every day. Because we're talking about the creation and it's not like how everything was created and how we're going to go back. That principle is right here, right now within us because we are sub sub Logoi. Does that make sense? Of course it does, because Ra is going to talk about a Logoi. That's not a higher Logoi that is better than us or something. It's the same Logoi. We have the same principles in us. That's the holographic nature of the universe. So again, I'll read it and I would love to read it 10 times, but I'll just (laughs) reread it this time. The process of evolution through this period, and you see words don't make sense here. Ra uses the word period. Period is a length of time, but they say, which may be seen to be timeless. So it doesn't make sense, (laughs) but how can we reference something of the creation if it's not within the vocabulary of time and space? But in any case, uh, just bear with the idea that there is a timeless state, and that is you. You can actually refer to that within yourself. That's actually called now. See, now is the timeless state. The process of evolution through this period, which is timeless, is most valuable to take into consideration, you, the seeker, the pondering mind. For it is against the background of this essential unity of the fabric of creation that we find the ultimate development of the logoi, the ultimate development of this manifesting uh, energy, right? light, as the third distortion, primal distortion, which chose which chose to use that portion of the harvested consciousness of the creator, the previous octave, this logos decided to use, well, what did we enjoy and we found uh, exciting for experience in the last octave or the last experience? Well, this, I'm going to use this. Uh, harvested, Harvested consciousness of the creator to move forward with the process of knowledge of self that is the whole purpose of creation is to know yourself through experience and that's what you're doing so you're not failing at being god you are by nature god <laughs> just you experiencing yourself that's all that matters ah oh, you have judgments and uh, self-criticism and all these stuff that's okay that's part of that's part of the experience so but you're in this path because you want to wake up from that right so You're in good, you're in a good track. Ah, this paragraph is so beautiful. My god, all right, but let's move on. There's one more, two more paragraphs. It's actually a long answer. Ross says, As it had been found to be efficient to use the various densities which are fixed in each octave in order to create conditions in which self conscious sublogoi could exist, this was carried out throughout the growing flower strewn field as your simil suggests of the one infinite creator creation uh big pause here because now we're talking about how it was manifested out of this timeless state and uh, what was manifested okay we talk about the logos right out of the timeless state you can use this in your mind too or in your experience you have this background of yourself which i already referred to as the unknown where do my thoughts come from where do my feelings come from my emotions my uh, all of these they're coming out of some deep portions of the mind but the mind goes all the way to a point where i cannot even describe what it is what i when i look i see nothing that nothingness is unity so you see that the manifest itself is the logos and so the logos can experience itself within seven um I'm going to call it densities, but it's also chakras. The chakras are the same uh, system, you see. But in terms of the universe, yes, we create the seven densities, and that's what Ross referring to here. As it manifests, okay, you know, that's the model. It chose to use this because it was part of the previous uh, octave. And that's why Ross says it had found to be efficient to use the various densities, which are fixed in each octave, in order to create conditions in which self-conscious sublogoi, you see, it's going to create conditions in space-time, in time-space, for uh, for self-conscious sublogoi to exist, us humans, or third density, uh, second density, and so on. This whole process of planetary life could exist. This was carried out throughout the growing flower-strewn fields, as your symbol suggests. I don't remember Don talking about flower-strewn field, but uh, I like it. All right. So now we're getting into, we came from the timeless state of pure awareness to the seven densities, which is our seven chakras, right, in this experience. And I think we're gonna get into more here. So let's let's just read. This is the last paragraph of this answer. Ra says, the first beings of mind, body, and spirit were not complex. Uh, see, that's, uh, that's the correction. That's maybe why there is no notes on this question. Ra corrects Don. It says, the first being of mind, body, and spirit were not complex. The experience of mind-body-spirits at the beginning of this octave of experience was singular. There was no third density forgetting. There was no veil. The lessons of third density are predestined by the very nature of the vibratory rate's experienced during this particular density and by the nature of the quantum jump to the vibratory experiences of fourth density. So Ra gave us, (laughs) in essence, a very... Uh, very express Um, what's the word I'm looking for a crash course something like that (laughs) On, on the creation from timeless state to third density which is where we are right now but they give the correction of complexes which are mind body spirit complexes which I'll explain again in a minute. You should know at this point, but it's always nice to have a refresher. Uh, So, yeah, we went from timeless to the octaves to planetary evolution, because within the octave there are densities and those densities are fixed, and that fixation creates the planets um, and the experiences that are to be had in those planets through the densities. That's all, of course, mediated by the Logos, or the sub-Logos, in this case, our Sun. So why are they not complex? Because Ra says that the experience of mind-body-spirits at the beginning of this octave was singular. And the third density, forgetting, was not present because there was no veil. We talked about this already. The lessons of third density are predestined by the very nature of the vib- vibratory rates experienced during this particular density. So third density, no matter if it's veiled or not, it's going to have the same experience of polarization. Okay. Uh, and polarization, of course, is towards unity. Uh, that's why, you know, the big dilemma of only good beings can ascend to heaven. Well, by our own estimation, bad beings, evil beings, also ascend. How is that? Well, I have explained that thoroughly (laughs) in the past 81 sessions. Um, But it is possible, right? And so polarization is what matters. Polarization towards unity. And there is a way to polarize yourself towards unity by believing yourself to be God on a separate sense. But you are god so you are right on track that's the thing um i won't get into the negative path at this point but you should be aware of all of that so everything is predestined by the very nature of the vibratory rate which simply mean that um there is a requisite for entities to evolve towards unity and, well, Ra also mentions by the nature of the quantum jump to the vibratory experiences of four density. So it's almost like a the ringing of a bell, right? It's time. Bing. That's four density arriving. The vibratory experiences of four density. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Let's move on. Question 13, Don says, am I correct then in assuming that the first mind, body, spirit experiences at this galaxy, as this galaxy progress in growth, were those that move through the densities. That is the process we have discussed coming out of second density. For instance, let us take a particular planet. One of the very early planets formed near the center of the galaxy. He continues and says, I will assume that the planets solidified in first density that life appeared in second density and all of the mind-body-spirit complexes of third density progress out of second density on that planet and evolve in third density. Is this correct? This is not totally correct because they're not complexes, like I said before. And I think this is also noted here. Uh, nope, it's not noted. What's going on with the notes here? Ra doesn't correct them. But Ra says this is hypothetically correct. Let me just again make a note here. Uh, aside from the mind-body-spirit complexes, which they shouldn't, um, especially because Don is talking about a planet that is near the center of the galaxy. We know already that all the planets and stars in the center of the galaxy had no, no veil, so no complexes. And we're still talking about the early stages of the octave, so yes, no complexes. You may think that I'm being a little uh, uh fastidious with this but to me it's important because i don't know words that don't belong there shouldn't be <laughs> so um yeah uh, the other note that i'm going to say is that here is where you will see that Don is looking at the creation again from the material point of view planets solidify and all of these things While well, this is still correct in a certain view, it is still ignoring the, um, the fact that all of this is happening within consciousness. Consciousness is what's creating all of this. Just like in your, in your imagination, you never think about energy. Nobody thinks about energy and imagination because imagination seems to happen without any effort. No energy is moving. It's just there. See? I'm going to summon, you know, the classic pink elephant, and you're going to see it right now. You see, did it take you any effort? No, it just appear right there. I summoned it. <laughs> That's the power of consciousness; it just happens. So all of this ultimately is happening this way. However, for the thinking mind, it happens gradually. Happens as a sort of uh, time that is happening and evolving, and so on. So keep that in mind. It's important, but. In any case, Donna is just going through a process that we're very familiar with, which is uh, first density, planet, solidifies, creates this mineral life, and um, the four elements are, in essence, present and active there. And then it goes into second density, which is life, movement and growth, and then third density arises. So Ross says this is hypothetically correct. I like that they say hypothetically. You see, it's a hypothesis. The way you're saying it is a hypothesis. It's not really what's happening. (laughs) I love Ra. They're so specific with their language. Question 14, though. uh, Ra, Don rather, says, did this in fact happen on some of the planets or on a large percentage of the planets near the center of the galaxy in this way? Now, Ra says, our knowledge is limited. We know of the beginning but cannot asseverate to the precise experiences of those things occurring before us. You know the nature of historical teaching. At our level of learned teaching, we may expect little distortion. However, we cannot with surety say there is no distortion as we speak of specific occurrences of which we were not consciously a part. It is our understanding that your supposition is correct. Thus, we so hypothesize. (laughs) <laughs> they so they say it for themselves as well, because I, I guess once again here we're touching on um, experience that we that we are not fully aware of. I'm actually surprised that Ra is not aware of all of this because they do have access to whatever has happened in the octave, as far as I understand it. So I'm not sure, but I I appreciate the fact that Ra is putting out there that they are not. Uh, they're not all-knowing. Their knowledge is limited. And we know of the beginning, they know of the beginning of how the octave started, but cannot asseverate. asseverate I can only recognize the word because in Spanish we say, um, which is to affirm, to state um, precisely or um, yeah, to, to say it with, with uh, conviction. That's what a means. So they cannot asseverate; they cannot <clears throat> uh, express with conviction the precise experiences of those things occurring before us. That makes sense. They may know the outcomes, but not really the details of the experience. And I think that's what Don is asking. Yeah. Um, you know the nature of historical teaching. At our level of learned teaching, we may expect little distortion, but we cannot with surety say there is no distortion as we speak. I think Raj is being very cautious not to give any ideas as to, oh yeah, it was just like that. So you can imagine that everything happens that way. Leave something to the imagination. Why not? Why do we need to know everything? But let's move on. Question 15, Don says specifically, I'm trying to grasp an understanding first of the process of experience in third density before the veil so that I can have a better understanding of the present pros- process. Now, keep in mind that Ra is going to. Oh, I thought. Never mind. Never mind. Let's keep reading, Don. Now, as I understand it, the mind body spirit complexes and. That asterisk there is, again, is not a complex. But I understand, Don was so used to saying mind-body-spirit complex. I am too, so I can see why he, when he spoke he said complex. In any case, the mind-body-spirits went through the process of what we call physical incarnation in this density. But there was no forgetting what was the benefit or purpose of the physical incarnation when there was no forgetting. Ross says, the purpose of incarnation in third density is to learn the ways of love. That's quite simple. That's that's what third density is about, so (laughs) the answer is very plain. But in question 16, Don says, I guess I didn't state that exactly right. What I meant is, since there was no forgetting, since the mind-body-spirit complexes, again, not complexes, had, no, had the consciousness in what we call physical incarnation, they knew the same thing that they would know not in the physical incarnation, so in time, space, while dead. What was the mechanism of teaching that th- taught this, the ways of love in the third density physical prior to the forgetting process? Ra gives another uh, short answer, but just asking permission and saying, we ask your permission to answer this query in an oblique fashion as we perceive an area in which we might be of aid. Don says, certainly. And Ross says, your queries seem to be pursuing the possibility probability that the mechanisms of experience in third density are different if a mind-body-spirit is attempting them rather than a mind-body-spirit complex. The nature of third density is constant. Its ways are to be learned the same now and ever. So, Uh, I know what Don is asking, and I see why Ra is giving all of this. So let me put a little bit of sense into all of it (laughs) before I continue, because it seems like they're not understanding each other. I know that Don wants to know what was the purpose of Third Density in terms of what was the goal, what was the mechanism, what was the the experience of Third Density, right, without the veil? for evolution, you see? And Ra keeps saying, well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. But because in Veiled Third Density, we have this forgetting, we have an obvious different mechanism than in the past. And so we're getting into that. We're getting into the Garden of Eden in the Law of One. And so Ra is saying, now that he kind of understands the the question or where Don is getting to, they say, Um, your queries seem to be pursuing the possibility, probability that the mechanisms of experience in third density are different uh, from a mind-body spirit or a complex, mind-body spirit complex. And so they're establishing that the nature of third density is constant. In essence, third density is um, an experience in which the We have to go back to second density. Let's just put it this way. In second density, you're beginning to become aware that you are aware, right? That's what pets do. That's what all animals who are in an advanced growth or evolution begin to develop. And you see, Ra has even mentioned that second density has the possibility of developing their heart chakra, which means love. That's why mammals, in specific, they have this relationship with their offspring and, of course, their uh, immediate relatives, which they consider as family. And that's um, that's the developing of self-awareness through love. So the lessons of love are beginning to be there now. No matter if there is a veil or no veil, this mechanism will continue. All you want to do is to love everything around you. And so I think we're dealing with a third density that is a little bit more animal than this human that we are. See, they don't think too much. They don't make use of this infinity that much. But there is just one continuous process, and that's why it takes so long. that's quite similar to how um, animals, without the intervention of humans, take a long time to become self-aware, which is something that we have talked about in the past because it makes sense. I mean, If there is no stimulus for that, then it may take millions of years. And it certainly took billions of years for animals or plants to develop self-consciousness. In this case, it was us, the primates. In any case, uh, let me not revisit all of that, fascinating as it is. So I can stay in here. So the nature of third density is constant; its ways are to be learned the same now and ever. But let's move on. Let's see what Ra finishes saying here. Thusly, no matter what form what form the entity facing these lessons, no matter what form the entity facing these lessons, the lessons and mechanisms are the same. The Creator will learn from itself. Each entity has unmanifest portions of learning and, most importantly, learning which is involved with other selves. So they're just cementing the idea that, yes, uh, the mechanism is the same, veil or no veil, you're going to deal with other selves. And that is the way to know yourself as an individual entity, because mind, body, spirits are individual entities. Uh, they may not perceive themselves totally separate because they see the connectiveness of everything. But they they do perceive uh, themselves as individuals. So again, we're getting into the Garden of Eden here uh, within the Law of One. So let's go on because I do want to get to this question. I think it's close. I think we're close to this. Uh, We'll see if we can get to that. In any case, let's move on. Question 18, Don says, then prior to the forgetting process, there was no concept of anything but service to others, polarization. What sort of societies and experiences in third density were created and evolved in this condition? Ross says, it is our perception that such conditions created the situation of a most pallid experiential nexus in which lessons were garnered with the relative speed of the turtle to the cheetah. So, once again, we touch on the importance of the veiling system. One correction to Don, and this is just because I have my own language here, is that, like I said in the last episode, I call it service to the one, not service to others, because there are no others. I I know there are others, apparently, but not deeply. Within the perception of a mind-body-spirit, not complex, but mind-body-spirit, there is a view of the Creator. It is known for everybody, it can be seen, it's transparent, that we're all the Creator. So there is no service to others, because there is no service to self, there is only service to the One, and they know that, so I like that. Um. Okay, so what sort of societies and technology? Did he say technology there too? Not yet. Yeah, what kind of societies? Uh, Ross says it is our perception that such conditions created the situation of a most pallid. Pallid means um, well, pale. You see something colorless, monochrome, just very um, insubstantial, I would say. That's the kind of experience that they had. Um, And in those conditions, the lessons were garnered with the relative speed of the turtle to the cheetah. So lessons were learned so slow. Whereas here, through the veil conditions of their density, oh, we can accelerate this really fast. And that's what we're getting at, you know, with um, with this knowledge of of who we are. That's the whole process. It's just fascinating. So again, this is emphasizing the fact that prior to the veil, it was such a boring experience. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Question 19, Don says, did such societies evolve with technologies of a complex nature? Here's the technology part. Or were they quite simple? Can you give me a general idea of the evolvement that would be a function of what we would call intellectual activity? Ross says, there is is infinite diversity in societies under any circumstances. There were many highly technologically advanced societies which grew due to the ease of producing any desire result when one dwells within what might be seen to be a state of constant potential inspiration. That which even the most highly sophisticated in your terms societal structure lacked, given the non-complex nature of its entities, was what you might call will, or to use a more plebeian term, gusto or elan vital. Wow, look at Rob being so elegant and... Uh, well, they're always elegant, but I don't know, uh, fancy and well, again, they're always fancy. <laughs> I don't know. Um, they look a little bit more of a, I don't know, sexy with their language here, right? <laughs> that's the word I was looking for. Um, and using a plebeian term, gusto. Hey, that's a word in Spanish, I and mean, I think that might be from. Um, Latin or Italian, also because we have a very strong similarity with Latin and Italian. But gusto, gusto is uh, something, um, yeah, it's it's savory. is It's good. It's nice. No, gustoso. I know that's a word in uh, Portuguese as well. Delicious food, gustosa. All right, so what are we talking about here? Food or creation? <sighs> so don't wants to know the development of the societies. where they just, I don't know, cavemen or people who were simply um, living a natural life, just like animals and so on? Well, we're going to see their technological achievements in a bit. But Ra is saying that there were many highly technological advanced societies, which grew to the due to the ease of producing any desired results when one dwells within what might be seen to be a state of constant potential inspiration. In essence, imagine having, um, let me give you this, Tesla, Einstein, our biggest thinkers intellectually, right? That's what Don asked. Uh, when we are in touch with this field of potentiality. Now, we have a veil. We have all this ego going on which distracts us and creates the beauty of, um, of this society, this ignorant society. And I obviously don't say it in a pejorative way, of course, but just ignorant of the fact that they are the creator. See, so we're living in a society that has completely uh, cheated itself, had de- has deceived itself to say we're mere mortals. We're just here and uh, it's matter and it's all moving and it doesn't care about us and uh, nature doesn't give a damn and so on. So all of that is thanks to ignorance, ignorance of who we are, right? So through that, um, Imagine having Teslas all the time that that's just everybody's a Tesla or an Einstein and it doesn't have any problems just you can create anything you want you see but imagine that magic has doesn't have the component of the unknown it wouldn't be magic i mean it still is magic in the sense that you're doing something out of the blue you're you're providing something that didn't exist and it comes out, but nobody is surprised. Nobody says like, how did you do it? Everybody knows how to do it. So nobody cares. That is what Ross says at the end when they say, that which even the most highly sophisticated in your terms, uh, societal structures lack, what did they lack? This highly sophisticated societies. They lacked the will, what you might, um, sorry, Uh, Yes, the will, or, um, yeah, this Ilan Vital, I would just say that um, passion, passion, you see, um, probably passion is not even a good word, but just, yeah, that uh, wonder, that, that excitement, you see, it's like, why would we do this? See, what's the purpose of doing it? Let me go back to Tesla. Tesla was so happy to be able to share this because there was a dark society going on, literally. <laughs> a very dark society where uh, energy was limited and people were uh, charging for it and not everybody had money and so he saw this as liberation, liberation for everybody. Have energy, free energy for everybody. You see, so there is a, that's a passion right there it can only happen if there is a veil process, and of course there is negative entities always taking advantage of everything. And <laughs> so, you can see. I hope you can see the difference between being aware of everything and being veiled and uh, not knowing of ignorance. It creates yes this dark society, but at the same time, at the same time, there are there is a possibility of breaking through this. Dark society, which is when a lot of people have been doing wonders of all kinds to bring this light of um, not just awareness but just light of happiness to people, you see, and that's what matters in the end. Okay, I can stop here and talk about this for a while, but let's move on. I want to get to the Garden of Eden. Question 20, Don says, did the highly technological societies evolve, travel through what we call space to other planets or other planetary systems? Did some of them do this? Ron says, this is correct. Don says, then even though from our point of view there was great evolutionary experience, it was deemed at some point by, by the evolving logos that an experiment to create a greater experience was appropriate. Is this correct? Ron says this is correct and may benefit from comment. They like this question. (laughs) The Logos is aware of the nature of the third density requirement for what you have called graduation. All the previous, if you would use this term, experiments, although resulting in many experiences, lacked what was considered a crucial ingredient, that is, polarization. There was little enough tendency for experience to polarize entities that entities repeated Habitually, the third density cycles many times over. It was desired that the potential for polarization be made more available. Once again, we see the necessity for the veiling system to create this, um, this is, (laughs) I guess in some sense, Humans yearn for this because this was the uh, the original state of third density. But at the same time, that is the limited entity, not the plan of the Creator. The plan of the Creator is for us to move through the densities because we want to intensify this experience, not just have so many experiences. We have to have. We we seem to favor at this point in the creation. We seem to favor intensity of experience rather than multiplicity of them. I think that goes in line with human thinking. You see, um, I often criticize this in the spiritual seeking because there is the dabbler uh, phenomenon or syndrome in spiritual seekers in which people just go from multiplicity of experiences I do this, I do that, I do this activity, I read this book, I go to this philosophy, I'm so excited about this, I go here, I go there, I got relationships, I don't have relationships, I go inside, I go outside. All of this, it's a multiplicity of experiences going, you know, from one to the other. Whereas the intensity of just one experience or one path is what creates the highest polarization, you see. And so, um, I like this because it, it reflects that, which is, uh, I don't want to call it a problem, but a stagnation uh, point in the spiritual seekers, which is, again, going from uh, Joe Dispenza to Drunvalo to uh, Eckhart Tolle to, uh, I don't know, uh, Blue Avians to <laughs> all kinds of things, you see, and that's okay but the funny thing is that people always come out of this multiplicity to refine their seeking into just one thing which ultimately means the self see there's nothing else the self is the last point of seeking and the beginning of the enjoyment of life see it's that's what we're seeking we're looking at the self, we're seeking unity and that unity within us. So, uh, Don's question was, um, more about, uh, yeah, the necessity to experience, um, to experience this third density with the veil. That was the great experiment, right? And Ross says, Yes, this is correct, and let's comment on it. The logos is aware of the nature of third density requirement for what you have called graduation. What is that? Polarization. That is the the requirement. You need to be polarized. All the previous experiments, although resulting in many experiences, like I said, lacked what was considered a crucial ingredient, polarization, okay? So entities did not polarize. Ross says there was little enough tendency for experience to polarize entities that entities repeated habitually. They repeated third density habitually. Like it was a habit. Oh, let's repeat third density. It's so much fun. (laughs) Um, There was no polarization. Um, I think we have something to learn in this veil experience as well, you see, because there there is a sinkhole of indifference in which people fall into and uh, maybe it's too intense. Maybe we need to <laughs> alleviate the veil a little bit for the next experience. I don't know. I really don't care. I, <laughs> in the end, that's the beauty of knowing who you are, because no matter what's happening, this is all a game, and it's all happening. And I don't mean that, you know, in a, of course, um, what's the word? Uh. Uh, It escapes me. Yeah, I I don't mean to say it as a sort of. uh, uh, No, it's a game. Nobody cares. Nobody should care about anything. But actually, to say that, yeah, it's um, it's all part of an imagination. So we're imagining things in all kinds of ways. So we're always going to be able to criticize something because we can improve it. So good enough. We'll improve it. We'll see what else comes up. Uh, so, yeah, repeating habitually third density, like on purpose, it's almost like the opposite of repeating it because you're so ignorant of the fact that you are the creator. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think we, we went too intense here, um, which is funny. At least to me, it is. Come on, give me a smile, laugh a little bit, don't take everything to so serious. I'm so sick of getting things seriously in my life. <laughs> don't don't you say that sometimes? You have to laugh. You have to make fun of everything. Make fun of yourself specifically. That's a healthy thing to do. So it was desired that the potential for polarization be made more available. And sure we did. Especially with creating something completely new. That's a completely new thing. Service to self. And boy, do we like it. All right. I'm going to cover. I don't think I'm going to get, is is it even in this? Um, I'm going to look. I think we're going to have to leave this for. It's just so exciting. I just want to keep going. But no, let's leave it at the hour. Yeah, let's let's leave it here. How many more questions do we have in, I just get too excited. We have nine more questions. Uh, They're a little packed, but I think I can finish it. I'll be able to finish it yeah at some points i don't even know where to end um but yeah today we're leaving this maybe the last uh episode will be longer than an hour but okay uh conclusions okay so what did we learn here uh practical stuff that i can remember we talked about was yeah, the uh, first, first always to bring all this. Wh- why do I do this? First of all, I, I have experience in the past and in conversations with people. This visualization that is foreign, right? That's the word. It's it's foreign to human experience. So the visualization of the creation of the universe and evolution and the densities and all of this. I keep getting the sense in people that it is foreign. Yeah, you know, it's something that I I, I want to experience at some point. So it's almost like saying, I want to be conscious at some point. That's ridiculous. (laughs) You see the ridiculous part of that statement. I want to be conscious at some point. You are conscious. Become aware of that. (laughs) Become aware. Use your consciousness to know that you are conscious. You see? So. We tend to say this, I mean, even the language that we use with saying self realization, what's to realize you are yourself. But obviously, when you think you're something else, which which you're not, then self realization is valid to say because you don't know who you are. So you have to self realize who you are. I'm looking for myself, I'm searching for myself. I want to know myself. Well, that's stupid too, you see. I'm, this is language that I use. I'm saying how absurd it is. And I also said that it's good to laugh about our own things. <laughs> but it is funny. You see, we say, uh, I want to know myself. What is to know? You know yourself because you are. That's it. Why do you have to complicate it? Well, I need to learn this in my mind, the unconscious mind, and of course, the archetypes of uh, jungian archetypes and law of one argument No, you want to learn things things are not you you are the known aspect of this reality that's all you need to know that's all you need to realize what you are you see but we need to complicate things so that's why we create um, oxym- uh, oxymoronic language which is just like no how how <laughs> how is that going to happen and so uh because of that we create this sort of uh, image of the world this image of the universe something outside which is not me and i will get there Now i'm fascinated with this phenomenon because it's what causes the whole spiritual uh seeking and spirituality and all of this all of this is just projecting yourself out there and Oh, I'm done am this and that. So I, I like to grab all of that and collapse it into infinity, which we are. And so when I talked about this, uh, the process of creation, in the process of creation, you can see yourself as the creator. See, first thing you need to realize is that if you are the creator, then you must be infinite. Well, you need to check that, check inside you, see if there are any limits. If you look at the limits you're looking at your mind that's the big giveaway whenever you see a limitation you say well you know i'm just this body boom that's the mind well i am this uh person because i have all this history that's the mind you see all of it is just the the mind anything that is limited but all this limitation must appear somewhere that somewhere is you and that you explore it see what it means you infinity equal the same thing, or equal the same thing, okay? So from infinity, ah, okay, I have my background, my fabric of reality in which I know myself. Why do I know? What do I know about myself? Well, this is happening. Okay, who's doing it? I don't know, is this self? I have no control over it because I am the unknown. In essence, I am that which uh, emanates everything. My thoughts, my histories, my ego, everything is just being created by this unknown. Let me rephrase that. the Ego is not a thing that is created, it's a thing that is imagined. See, it's a character that you can play if you want to. You can do it consciously or unconsciously, it doesn't matter, but you can create it. Whether you believe in it or not, that's a different story. (laughs) But you see, you are creating all of this. And you can see it, you see, here it is, there is light, there is love, because everything that I see is life, life is love, same thing. There is free will because of all the things that I could be doing or thinking. I have a specific narrowing of focus, that's free will. Okay, I focus on this and that. Just my own manifestation is a proof of free will. So you can see all of this in your experience. It's the same process. But on a larger scale, because guess what? There is an infinity of possibilities. And all those possibilities are being iterated right now. And everything we learn goes back to this database. That's why the biggest, the biggest thing you can do, uh, we like to serve, right? That's the word we use here in the law of one serve. The biggest service is the service to the one. And the biggest service to the one is to. Consider that love. It's like looking at the mirror. The biggest, what's the biggest service you can do to yourself? To Look in the mirror and appreciate everything. Physical and mental mirrors. Look at everything and say, yes. How can you do that? Well, from the presence that you are, from you, from yourself. And look at everything without judgment. Don't even say, oh, this is good. So I love it. That's bad. So I don't love it, just love everything, good and bad, light and dark, doesn't matter, just do it, just stay there, feel how this inner self just embraces everything, it doesn't reject anything, space doesn't reject objects, worst case scenario, becomes space becomes a black hole and it just, uh, it's a, it absorbs everything, it loves it so much. You see, the black hole is just an immense amount of love for everything. (laughs) It's just attracted everything. So you become the black hole too. You accept everything, you absorb everything as you, that's you. So, all right, that's my conclusion from this second part. Like I said, we have more to cover, um, but I hope I can do this in the last episode of this session. As always, if you enjoy and have been enjoying this series of The Law of One, please consider subscribing to my Patreon, so you can actually send me a message or just be part of the community. Most importantly, support my work here, because I would like to continue doing this, even with the ending of the material, and that will determine a lot. So just do that, go to my Patreon, check it out, please consider going and joining. Um, one of my courses on the direct path right there in the description along with Patreon. Want to get in touch with me? Instagram is the best way to contact me. Just go there, text message. Okay, what's up? And that's all I got. Thank you as usual for enjoying and listening to all of this. I appreciate you for being on the other side of the camera and the microphone because otherwise this wouldn't make any sense, me doing it. But I would probably still do it. But yeah, just thank you for being over there. I have nothing else to say, but I'll see you in, hopefully, the last part of session 82.